0: From the NFL.
1: If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers
0: aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football.
1: There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game.
0: And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want.
1: Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back and football is on the way. You love to see it.
0: The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs, and I truly, truly believe that. How at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the
1: drink, it's the beard, and it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in
0: session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today, and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom.
1: Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom. With Nathan and I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. Uh, Cody's out today. He's on assignment, so it's just uh, me and Drink. Uh, but as a reminder to all the listeners, um, uh, Drink of Wisdom, it's up on YouTube. Each show segment available in addition to being on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, what's going on, Drink? How are we doing?
0: You know, you know what time it is. Let's talk some sports, baby. You know, on this Christmas Saturday morning, et cetera, et cetera. Don't let that get too far ahead. Because we say what they don't and see what they don't. I mean, see what they want. So um, with that said, baby, let's get this thing rolling this Saturday morning.
1: All true. All true statements. In episode 29, the Bills face the Chiefs. We have more NFL coaching hires to break down. And what's going on with the Brooklyn Nets? Well, we'll, we'll tell you about it. Uh, We begin in the NFC with the NFC championship game. That'll be the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Green Bay Packers kicking off at 3.05 Eastern Standard Time on Fox. Uh, The Packers, of course, beat the Rams uh, last weekend, 32-18, coming off that first round bye. Uh, The Bucks, meanwhile, took care of business against the uh, New Orleans Saints. It's uh, it's a rare matchup between two of the greatest to ever do it, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, So what are we thinking about this one, Drink? How do you see it playing out?
0: Uh, so, uh, so listen. You know, this this is very intriguing because um, we seen this matchup during the season. We seen the results of that matchup where where it was probably. Yeah, I think this was probably Aaron Rodgers' worst game of the season when when they played the Bucks during the season. It, it wasn't good. It was a blowout. Um, but I would say this: I think you got to throw that out the out the uh, door here. I think mean, we're gonna get a different product. I think we're gonna get two. Not two totally different teams. I think the Packers will be able to move the ball better in this game than they was during the season. It was just one of the things, it was weird. Like when we was watching this happen during the season, we couldn't believe it. We like, I mean, the Bucks good, but they're not this good, right? Like, man, Aaron Rodgers out here looking like uh you know a third of uh Nathan Peterman. Like he wasn't he wasn't hitting on nothing in that game. Um, so it did make you think like, oh. We might see um, Jordan Love. If he keep playing like this, we know that was admiration. Um, very next game, Aaron Rodgers said, "Hold up, hold my beer," and and the rest was the rest. Um, so with that said, this particular game, we know that Vita Veda, the uh, defensive tackle for the Bucks, will be coming back. That is that's big news. But then it's like, how big of news? You you always want one of your better players back. But he's a run stopper you was already good at stopping the run. So I guess you got better at stopping the run. And maybe that's the thing that they will focus on. Let's take Aaron Jones out of the game. Let's take Jamal Williams out of the game. You know, let's take um the young rookie out of the game and uh, A.J. Dillon, take him out of the game and let's see what Aaron Rodgers. But then it's Aaron Rodgers. So you know what you're going to get with Aaron Rodgers. You know what you're going to get with Devontae Adams. Hell, you know what you're going to get with Robert Tunyon, to be honest with you, if you... You really want to go down the roster. Um, so do you want to play that game? I would say this: the Bucks secondary has played better, but they haven't played to the level that I can say, make Rogers throw the ball. And some people say, yo, it's not many teams in the NFL where you can say that about anybody's secondary. Like it's Aaron Rodgers we're talking about. You know what I'm saying? This ain't Jordan Rodgers. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers, you know. Um so I understand that, but I think that's what you got to do. You can't, let, you, you can't let them run the ball. Why? Because you're playing in Green Bay. And for some reason, when Green Bay get home games in the playoffs, some type of snow or some type of weather or something affects that game. Now, I know Tom Brady is used to weather conditions, but are we sure Mike Evans are? Are we sure Chris is ready for it? Are we sure that Leonard Fournette is ready for it? Ronald Jones is ready for it. Uh, that offensive line. Are we sure the Bucs want that smoke in the snow in the month of January? We're gonna find out. Um, I do think that's gonna play a factor. I really do. Uh, because Tom Brady is the only guy we've seen on this level that that can handle himself in that snow. We haven't seen that out of the rest of the, the Bucks characters. Um, Antonio Brown not playing in this game. So you go ahead and take that factor out too. Like, oh well, Tua Robinson, he's not playing this game, so that doesn't matter. And then when you switch over to Green Bay, Green Bay, listen, they built for this. This is what they do. I'm still not the biggest fan of the line of trenches for Green Bay. I know you feel a little different about it. We will see. I can tell you this: if they go into this game and they control the the the, the um the trenches in this game, then I I would get off the whole Green Bay soft bandwagon. I leave it alone. They control the trenches in this game. I got to put some respect on it. But I want to wrap all that up by saying, I think the Bucs is going to win this game. I'm looking at it 24, 24, 20, 24, 21. I think the defense, because it can't be a high score on the fair, because if it's a high score on the fair, the Bucs is out of here. If they keep it low, which I think they can, I think that's the type of game you win. So 24, 21, the Bucs. I don't think Tom Brady have a particularly awesome game, but I think he get enough from the running game and he get a he 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 throw for about they say about 250, two touchdowns about the best you can get. Leonard Fournette between Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, they get you over 100 and if they get you over 150 together, I think the Bucs got a good chance. So with that said, yeah, I'm going to go I'm going with the Bucs to win this one. I see the GOAT being back into the Super Bowl 24-21. Bucks over the packs.
1: Yeah, this is, um, first of all, just, just want to just kind of reiterate what I said at the top. This is a, this is a treat. It's something that we've seen, I believe just, you know, three times where these guys have went head to head. I believe you had one in 2014. I think Green Bay won that one, 26, 21, uh, maybe three years ago, New England won by two, two touchdowns. Then you had this blowout that we had earlier this year. So, um, you just don't know how, you know, many more matchups like this you're going to get. So best to enjoy it and savor it because they, they don't come around very often. So we're and we were in all honesty, we were going to be lucky either way. It was either going to be uh, Brady and Rodgers or Breeze and Rodgers can't can't right. really go wrong either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that first game was really, really an interesting one. Uh, not only was that Aaron Rodgers worst game of the season, that was the Bucks' best game of the season. So um and that but that was quite, you know, a while back. I do agree with you. I do think um, you know, it's best to, you know, toss that one out and you know, not let that one, you know, cloud your cloud your thought process all that much. Um, but it's 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 just striking, you know, it's hard not to look at it at all. Green Bay was up ten nothing in that game. Before this, the wheels came off and Tampa Bay ends up winning 38 10. So, you know, Green Bay, I I would imagine they're looking at that first quarter and saying, all right, what you know, what went right? Cause we can't look at the second through the fourth quarters cause nothing went right. So what did we do in that quarter that allowed us to get off to a good start and how can we sustain that? And the part about the physicality, I think we, I think Green Bay, Green Bay's grown, you know, since that game, they've grown since last season. I don't, I don't think they're the same team that you can necessarily punch them in the mouth and they're just not gonna, you know, resist at all. I think on both sides of the line, um, they've gotten a little bit better. I'd still be a little bit more concerned about the defensive line, but Kenny Clark, uh, to me, he's playing—he's he, playing next level. And you know how you know how I feel about you know Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. They're gonna bring the heat. That's what they do. Rashawn Gary, you know, the young guy out of Michigan, he's Michigan, been having yeah. a little bit of impact. Christian Kirksey, I like what he's been doing lately, you know, in the uh, on the at the inside linebacker spot for them. And you know about the secondary, the secondary is gonna do um, it's gonna be out there, it's going I think it's gonna do a fine job. Mike Evans caught one pass in this first matchup. So that that has to speak to, um, you know, Jair Alexander. You mentioned no Antonio Brown. That's a key thing to watch out. So it's probably going to be Chris Godwin is the guy you want to focus in on for Tampa Bay. Oh,
0: oh, oh, oh I forgot to mention him. Uh, this guy kind of going under the radar for the Bucs offense. But don't be surprised. You see more of uh, what's his name? Scotty Miller. If you yeah. see him, you know, get more catches. Scotty, Scotty
1: Miller, and i also – I'd throw Cameron Brayton in there as well. Yeah. I know Gronk – I think Gronk had his – perhaps his best game of the year, five for seven, eight and a touchdown. He he hasn't been, you know, much of a factor in the passing game. I still think he got a – in the run game, he can still have a pretty profound impact. Right. But he he's not the same receiver he once was. Um, so, it's going to be – I don't think it's necessarily going to be Mike Evans. I think the Packers will have, you know, have him under wraps for the most part. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be the other guys and it is going to be, uh, I think, whichever team can, you know, control the line of scrimmage and uh, establish some sort of a running game. That's going to be very, very key. And I think that's going to be more important to Tampa Bay because, you, like I always say, you don't want uh, Tom Brady just sitting back there, you know, dropping back over and over. That's going to give the edge um, to the likes of Zedarius and Preston Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ronald Jones, you know, in game one did have a whale of game. He ran for 113 yards. Um, And this was, you know, Leonard Fournette, you know, was not a part of this game. So now they have both of those guys back there. Um, They've been, they've been pretty good. Uh, I thought they were, I thought they were, they were a big difference uh, in the win against the saints. Uh, But I think green Bay on the other side, um, they they have their own three headed monster as well with, uh, you know, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. You know, we'll we'll have to see what his status for. I think he got banged up uh, last week, Um, but it's going to be tougher for them. You mentioned Vita Vea is back. They were already, uh, the, pack, uh, the Bucks, rather, already, you know, the best run defense in the league. They're only going to be stronger. Um, so Aaron Rodgers is going to be at his best. And he, you know, he can't have one of these, you know, 12.4 QBR games. It won't, you know, it'll, it'll be a quick, pretty quick, uh, be a pretty quick game if that happens. But um, I, I like Green Bay in this game. I think the, the home field advantage, Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's never had uh, a uh, championship game at home. I think that's going to play to an advantage. And I think, um, I don't know, yeah, of course we know Tom Brady, you know, kind of any climbing place. I don't know where that's from. It that sounds familiar, but you know, he's, <laughs> the any, he's an any climbing place type of fella, if you know what I mean. Um, so, but, all, but all the rest of them, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned, I think that's a fair point. You know, Ronald Jones, he's a th- Southern cow type of guy Fournette, He spent his whole career, you know, in Florida and, you know, played at LSU. Um, you know, so these, these are some fair weather guys. So, We'll see if the weather is a factor. If it's going to be a factor, I would say that that probably benefits Green Bay. Um, but in the end, I, I think I think it's a fairly high-scoring game. I think Green Bay's, you know, they they've been cruising since then. And uh, outside of that game, not not many people have stopped them. So I think um you know as long as as long as the protection can do the job, and I think the biggest thing Green Bay has to watch out for is the blitzes Todd Bowles is going to employ. As long as Devin White and Levante David don't wreck this game on some of their blitzes. I like Green Bay in this game. I think it's a close one. And I think they win it 34 31.
0: All right. Now, before, so would you like to make a wager on this game?
1: I am nowhere, nowhere near that confident in this. So, no, I will not be wagering much of anything on this game. But thank you for asking. Much appreciated. All right. The uh, second championship game will. Uh, take us back to Kansas city. It'll be the Buffalo bills visiting the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, the big, um, big storyline all week from this one, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, would he play? Would he not play? Well, uh, Friday he announced uh, that he's cleared the concussion protocol. So he'll be on the field. And um, that is to the benefit of, of us all. Cause uh, Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes sounds a lot better than Josh Allen versus uh, Chad Henney. So we have that going for us. Uh, these two teams met a bit, a bit earlier this year in the, um, Chiefs won that one 26-17, highlighted by uh, the running game, interestingly enough. Uh, And it looks like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is trending in the right direction as well. Um, But with all all that in mind, um, another great matchup, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Drink, what do you see in this
0: one? All right. For all my people out there, all my Josh Allen fans, let me tell you something. It's prime time, baby. Hey, Drink, what you talking about, man? Make some sense. Listen, for all these Josh Allen fans that say, you know, Josh Allen is actually better than Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes has the better weapons. Okay, cool. And my my pushback has always been, I got to see something with Josh Allen in the playoffs before I can give him that mantle. Here is the game. If the Buffalo Bills go in to Kansas City with Patrick, Mah- with Patrick Mahomes as the starting quarterback and they get the dub in Kansas City, then, only then, will I open my eyes up and say Josh Allen might just be as good as every other quarterback. But until I see that, a significant win on that level, I'm tired of people comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. Because... What this here's what we've seen out of Patrick Mahomes. Do he have an elite group of talent? Yes. I get tired of people. Like they do this in college football all the time. Oh, this guy can't be good because he got talent around him. How good could he really be? That the whole goal is to build a talented team. Since when was the goal to, hey, I want to, I want to get a quarterback and I don't want to build anything around him. I just I just want everybody else to suck because I want to see how good the quarterback is. That's not, that's not the goal. That's not the GM goal. Your GM, if he had his way or her way, it would be the 11 best players they got on their team. And I don't care if it's 11 straight pro bowlers, but I want the 11 best. So I don't understand that stadium. So Patrick Mahomes is not good because the Chiefs were smart enough as an organization to build piece of the pieces around him. Well, as you can see right now with the Buffalo Bills, they seem to be doing that same damn thing around Josh Allen. You know... That wide receiver core ain't a full of chunks. That's a reasonable wide receiver core. We, me, and you just were talking about um, Zach Moss and um, Singletary, Devin Singletary. That's a that's a nice one-two punch. And don't don't get me started on the offensive line. We know how serious they are. So it seems as if oh, and I ain't even get started on the defense. So it seems as if the Bills are doing the same damn thing as Kansas City. So with that said, it is time for Josh Allen to show that. If you give me some, if you give me time, I can deliver. I'm Amazon Prime. I can get it to you in two days. And if you know Bezos, I could probably get it to you in one day with one of these exclusive drones. Either way, give me some time, I'm gonna deliver. And now he's gonna play the guy that he's been compared to, in my opinion, the most, Patrick Mahomes. Now this is prime time. Once again, just like we talked about in the last matchup for the NFC, this is prime time. These these four quarterbacks that we're going to watch play Sunday are four of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You do not look at one of these quarterbacks and say, Some, one thing is not like the other. How the hell did this sorry guy get here? We don't say that. We got respect for Josh Allen. We got respect for Patrick Mahomes. We got respect for Tom Brady. We definitely got respect for Aaron Rodgers. These are four respected quarterbacks. Now, Josh Allen, what you going to do? All right, enough about the quarterback now. Um... Let's, let's, let's talk about the rest of the team. First of all, I want to I start with Kansas City defense because I think that, that um, group is very, very underrated. I think people don't give the Chief enough credit on the defense side because the offense is so electric. Tyron Matthew, the leader of that defense, has came in there and gave that defense a voice, a path, and you got to respect it. Chris Jones... Um, that defensive line, you got to respect it, man. We have to respect what the Chiefs do on the defense side of the ball. It's no more the offense carrying us through the season. It's no more the offense carrying us through the postseason. No, they're playing good ball on both sides of the ball. Now, why do I bring that up? Because they're going to play the Bills again. And this is, once again, like we said in NFC, this is not going to be the same team that they met the first time. It's not. I feel like the Bills is gonna find a way to run the ball more because that seemed what. If you ask me, what was the biggest knock on them in the first matchup? The Bills can run the ball. That if you look at the Bills can run the ball and Stephon Diggs seemed to have been you know not Stephon Diggs that game. I feel like that's gonna be different. I feel like we're gonna see a lot of uh, you know a lot of different things and let and let make no mistake. Brian Dayball, after being passed over for that Chargers job. It's going to whip out something because now he, he want to open some eyes. He want to know why he didn't get that job when he was the front runner and think he should have had that job. So now he got a point to prove as well. Let's not forget about the coaches out here in these streets. Because, oh, you say, hey, Dr- hey Drew, oh, you want to talk about the Bills offense coordinator? What about the Chiefs offense coordinator? Oh, he got something to prove and He's been proving it for years. He got something to prove too. So that matchup is a great matchup right there. The two offensive coordinators out here trying to get that resume polished up. So maybe this time next year, they're, a head, they're head coaches, or at least getting ready to sign the dotted line to be a head coach, something. Um. So the, the, the great matchups right there. I love those the offensive matchups. Um. So when you put it that way, I guess you say the overall result of this game is going to come down to which defense get more stops? I know very elementary, I know, but when you have two highly um, successful teams like this, that is what it comes down to. Um will the Chiefs playing at home will that make a big difference for the Bills? I don't know. I don't I don't think it's a significant advantage like playing, like Green Bay getting Tampa Bay to, you know, to Wisconsin, but I do think it's somewhat of an advantage. And so, with all that said, oh, let me backtrack. I know Patrick Mahomes playing in this game, but some tells me let's let's look at him. Let's watch him in those first couple of possessions. Let's make sure all the screws are in the right place and they screwed in. And um, he's he's ready to play. Um, because if he's back there with the deer in the headlights, we might might have to see your boy Henny come on trot on in, Mr. Hero himself. Give me the red cape. And um, see what he could do against this Buffalo Bills defense. But if you give me a, a healthy Patrick Mahomes, I gotta think that that's a 38 point team, to be honest with you, 38 point team. But I do think the Bills, the Bills is a 31 point team. So I I, could, I see the line is the Chiefs by three. I'm gonna say the Chiefs by seven. I got a 38, 31, and in a. In a I think they score more points in this game than they do in the NFC. And um, I think, you know, Kansas City, they pull it out. They got the talent, they got the coaches. And they, they know a little more. They've been on the stage more than the Bills have. And I think that will be somewhat of an advantage. I like um, McDermott, but McDermott ain't been on this stage before. And I don't think I can confidently say he can out coach Andy Reid at this stage. So that said, yep, yeah, 38 31, Kansas City. Book
1: Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's somewhat rare in a NFL game, you'd want to, you know, put your, you know, pick on the solely on the health of one guy. But to me all week, that was, you know, my question. If my home, if my homes ain't gonna play, I'll take I'll take the bills because I just, you know, as much as I liked what I saw from Chad hitting last week. Um, you know, Chad Henney in a full game against, you know, this Josh Allen, who's, you know, exceeding all levels of expect of playoff expectations after, you know, last season's forgettable mess in a card round. Got to give him credit. Um, he's played, he's played well and he's really done it without much of a running game. The bills seemingly have kind of abandoned the run. Um, right. but I think, uh, you know, with Patrick Mahomes being healthy, uh, as you know, they announced that yesterday, uh. I mean, it, it's a that's a pretty open and shut case. As much as you know, we like and respect this Bills team, and they've you know had a a, a storybook season. Um, I think I think it ends here. Um, it's Andy Reid, it's Patrick Mahomes, and out of out of all four quarterbacks that are you know have reached this point, the only one that hasn't you know reached this moment is Josh Allen. And that, I, and I think you're absolutely right about this Kansas City Chiefs defense being somewhat underrated. They I mean they I mean when you have when you have an offense that you know has your back like that, yeah, you, know, you just you just go out there and you just play and you play loose and free because you know that oh oh we made a mistake and we gave up a touchdown oh well don't worry about they I mean they about to score so you know we'll get another shot at it. Um, you mentioned the and and just to you know put a bow on that, um, the Chiefs defense in the last in eight of the last nine games has allowed twenty points or less. So when you when you think about that. I mean, the, the Chiefs, are, the Chiefs offense, I mean, when are they not going to score 20 points? So right. that, that's probably about, you know, the mark in this game. I, I, don't, I, I think the Bills, will they'll, they'll beat 20 points in this game. Uh, but I think, the, I think the Chiefs defense is good enough to get a stop here and there, um, you know, more, more so than I have confidence in the Bills defense to get stops. And I think, you know, in the end, it's, it's likely going to come down to, to, to who can execute a little bit better in the red zone. So I think both of both of these defense have a tendency to tighten up down there, and you mentioned right. the two the two offensive minds and uh, Bienni and and Dable and don't don't forget about these two um defensive minds. You remember um well uh, the the Buffalo Bills Leslie Frazier you know he's he's a highly respected defensive mind you know coached the Minnesota Vikings uh, years oh, yeah, ago, coach, yeah. and then you know Steve Spagnolo, that was a, that was a tremendous hire by Andy Reid. Uh, it, I don't know if you remember. Uh, but the the fella that you know coached that defense before was a fella by the name of uh, Bob Sutton. And they should uh they should have called him Senator Sutton because this is one of them fellas <laughs> that just you know he'd been out, you know, coaching for just looked like he'd been coached for about fifty years, and it was it is just time to go. Like you've been up there in the Senate Chambers too long, you ain't done nothing you know, six months to pass one bill. I mean, get on out of here. So glad they went ahead and did that. And Steve Spagnuolo, he's got these guys playing well. You know, a lot right. of these guys are somewhat unknown. They don't have tremendous star power, but they do have Tyron Matthew, as you say. They do have Chris Jones. So they got a difference maker up front and a difference maker on the back end. And, right. you know, the other guys, there's some unknown fellas, you know, whether it's Damian Wilson, you know, Anthony Hitchens, you know, the list goes on and on, but they can do enough. And I think um, when you look at the last game, you know, Kansas City ran for, you know, almost 250 yards. If Buffalo comes out, you know, with the same game plan, the same mindset that we don't want to get beat over the top, does Andy Reid have, can he have the same level of patience? Because I think that that type of performance is, it's not in Andy Reid's DNA to be that patient and run the ball 46 times to that degree of success. So I'm interested to see how will Leslie Frazier approach the game? Will he try, will he continue to, you know, try to protect you know, over the top, you know, and then, and, 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 and let Kansas City move the ball on the ground a little bit if they want. Uh, so that, that, that's going to be fun to see if he changes up his strategy and how Andy Reid, you know, runs his offense. Uh, but in the end, I, I'm, I'm glad Mahomes is going to be out there. I think it's, um, you know, it's a watered down matchup without him. I hope he's good to go. I think that's, you know, considering uh, how he looked when he left the field. I think it's somewhat of a surprise that he's back this quickly and they announced it that early. Uh, but it's uh, it's good for all of us in the end. I think it comes down to I'll take Patrick Mahomes over Josh Allen. I'll take Andy Reid over Sean McDermott. I think it's a close one. I think we'll see a fair amount of field goals. I think both defense will tighten up a little bit down there, uh, but in the end, I like the chiefs 30 to 27. All right. Staying in the NFL, we've got some more uh, head coaching vacancies that have been filled. Uh, the chargers Eagles and lions have all uh, gotten their guys, so to speak. Uh, not surprisingly, the Houston Texans are still, still on an ongoing search. And, uh, we will bring that to you in the days to come when they figure it out. And if they figure it out, uh, but we, you know, we'll start with the, um, Los Angeles Chargers. Um, they went right next door, so to speak, to get the, uh, the Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, uh, Staley, of course, leading that number one ranked defense this year with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey and company. Uh, So we'll start there, Drake. What do you think of the Chargers hiring Mr. Staley?
0: Well, I would say this. This is definitely a win for the defensive coordinators. Um, I'm really big on seeing how many of these guys get hired. This is the second one. Um, So definitely a win for defense coordinators. I personally thought that the Chargers would go for an offense coordinator, um, specifically Brian Dable, um, the offense coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. Look, here's the deal. Uh, you got a second-year quarterback that played pretty well, could possibly have won Rookie of the Year. if uh, Justin Jefferson wasn't playing out of his mind down in Minnesota. Um, so instead of building on that success, you get a defense coordinator. Now, I don't know. Just from, from my my knowledge of football this year, I just thought offense was the way to go. But listen, I'm not mad at the hire because the defense coordinator for the Rams, did we not see the Rams play this year? They was pretty good on defense and they spent a lot of money on defense and they still was pretty good with the guys that they had. So I'm not saying he's not worthy of the head coaching hire. He definitely is. I just, I would have thought you would have built around your quarterback, your second year quarterback. I don't, I don't know. That's what makes sense to me. This guy might be a home run hire. It just, I don't know. You got Justin Herbert. You got this new stadium. You in in LA. It's very hard to get, you know, view uh, eyeballs on your product in LA with so much going on and that's the stuff you would have made a more, you know, a more polarizing hire by bringing that Brian Dayball. Okay, let's cool. Now, Brandon Staley, now you are the guy and I'm telling you right now, if that defense ain't humming by year two, you won't be the guy for long. Because, like I just said, this is an offensive game. And I'm very surprised you're going to be the guy calling the shots. This, it seemed like the Chargers just trying to pick. I don't know. They, they, if I feel as if they just want to go against the grain and do something different. Um, And it, it might, might work or might not. But I don't know, man. Like he did have the number one defense. He really did. But he got Ingram. He got Bosa. uh, He got, um, What's the safety name? Derwin, um, Derwin James. Derwin James, and he got a. Um, he got the rookie linebacker that they drafted this year. Uh, he got pieces on his defense. Now the question is: Are those pieces Jalen Ramsey? Are those pieces Aaron Donald? Are those you know Brock? Let's see. We'll see if those pieces can look like that. I do think he can get the Chargers back to you know a top five defense. If they don't look like that, no, we might have a problem. And I do think this though, the Chargers got a better pass rush than the Rams got, but the Rams just got an overall better player, Aaron Donald. So take that for what it's worth. This this is probably one of my surprise, least, um, let me say I put it on a scale from one to 10. Let's just do it this way. I put it on a scale from one to 10. 10 being that I like the high, I like it the most, one being I like it the least, I'm going to give this one. I'm going to give this one old young six. Um, I got to see something first. We'll see what the Chargers were thinking. But all in all, I, I just feel like you got to bring in the coach to help take Justin Herbert to the next level. But that's my thought.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think up front, that's the kind of the, the, the surprise factor. You know, when you have a, a rookie quarterback come off really a, a really good first season, you know, perhaps the NFL offensive rookie of the year. Um, exceeding all expectations over there. Um, it, it's just curious that uh, you wouldn't prioritize, um, you know, an offensive guy to come in and kind of, you know, kind of be the lead man in, um, in his growth and development, trying to keep that headed in the right direction. And, uh, you know, I thought, I, w- I was thinking, you know, as, as time went along, we, we, I think we kept seeing more and more that uh, Bill's offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball, was the guy linked to this job. Um, for whatever reason, that's not what happened. Um, I mu- it must have been just a you know a great interview, I guess. Um, uh, Brandon Staley, I mean, he did yeah, you know he's the he did lead this um number one ranked defense that we just saw at the Rams. You know you know something something to behold when we we kept referencing. We thought the you know Rams gonna have to you know pay down some of that credit card debt. It looked like they was oh, building yeah. up. Uh, but the, um, they the, you know you talk Aaron Donald and you know Jalen Ramsey. Those are two the definitely the cornerstones, but. But it's, it must be, you know, something has to be said for perhaps Staley, you know, coaching up some of these lesser known guys. And, you know, like uh, Michael Brockers, uh, Darius Williams, Troy Hill, you know, the list goes on and on with some of those guys. Um, they are like Leonard Floyd throw him in there as well. Seemingly having a breakout here. Um, maybe that's something he can bring to um, to the Chargers um, in the same city. Um, they do have two. I don't think they I don't think uh, Joey Bosa. And Derwin James are quite on the same level as Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but they are two uh, building blocks. And hopefully uh, Derwin James can get on the field and stay on the field. You know, he's had some, you know, really rough uh, injury luck uh, the past few years, but they got, you know, that's, uh, that's not a, that's not an empty cupboard out there uh, with the Chargers. There's still some other guys that they have, you know, I know Melvin Ingram, Chris Harris, they're getting up in age, but I still think they can uh, be, you know, be good contributors for you. Of course, Kenneth Murray, we like him as a young guy. Hopefully he can continue to develop. Uh, Casey Hayward, I believe he's still there. So there, there's a lot there. And offensively, there's there's some things there. You know, you start with Justin Herbert, uh, Austin Eckler, uh, Keenan Allen. There's 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 a lot of stuff. They just got to, you know, it's going to be a challenge for Staley to, you know, kind of fill in the blanks to some of the things that haven't worked. I think the Chargers in recent history, they've been a team that have been, you know, seemingly hit by injuries more than most Um you know, maybe that can turn around for them, but I think Staley for him, you know, the first order of business is he's got to get, you know, a strong uh, offensive mind in there alongside of him to um, that can have a real good working relationship uh, with Herbert. If he uh, if he can if he can get that um, established and they can get that moving in the right direction, you know, we'll, it could be something uh, to behold. Uh, But, you know, there's always for me a a, a wee bit of skepticism when a guy has been a coordinator for one season and he's been a position coach, you know, besides that. So that's not quite the resume I'd like to see. But, you know, we'll give him a fair shake and we'll we'll see how it turns out for him.
0: Did you say resume? Oh, well, let's talk about resume then. So let's go ahead and transition to another opening that recently got filled, the Philadelphia Eagles. And speaking of resume, man, I had to whip out Google and Wikipedia to find out old um Nick so Sar- How you say that last I name? I believe that believe that's Nick Seriani. There we go, Seriani. Right. Boom. All right. So for all the folks that was like me and um that that didn't know, hey, this guy was the he was the, the, the offense coordinator for the, the coach three the last three years. We know what this is about. But before I give away too much, tell us what you're thinking about that high. I
1: I, I must say I'm not. The Philadelphia Eagles have been a team that is just an organization that they have just <laughs> seemingly disintegrated the past year, and it just utter chaos. I don't have much of a clue uh, what they seem to be doing. Uh, Doug Peterson. It was a really strange year for him, all the way up to you know you know giving us a a taste of you know what it's like to have Nate Sudfield throw passes on the last game of the season you know the relationship between Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson you know that became irreparable the Eagles the management made a choice to get the coach out of there Uh, you know I, I guess they have I guess in the end management and ownership still you know has Carson Wentz you know they want him to be the guy I think Carson Wentz is repairable I don't think uh I don't I think there's some culpability with uh, the coaching staff not being able to get the best out of him. I think when Frank Wright left for Indianapolis, you know, maybe that was the beginning of that decline. Um, You know, I don't and I don't know, maybe uh, Nick Sirianni, you know, coming uh, from the, you know, the tutelage of Frank Wright. Maybe he maybe he can be the the, um, you know, that tonic that get that, you know, helps him rebuild himself because, you know, last year was forgettable to say the least. Um, that that has to be the play. If that's not the play, then it's I don't think it makes much sense at all. This is um, a, a relatively unknown guy. I mean, when you think of the, you know, the candidate that people were thinking from the Colts was, you know, the defensive coordinator, Matt Eberfluss. And um, he's 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 definitely he's not you know, he is not um, he's not he's not a guy who's getting a head coaching job, it appears. So this one, this one's a little bit curious. I don't have a sense of how it'll work, but it's got it's got to be with the quarterback in mind that has to be his primary focus, but there's going to be, there's a lot of work to do. You know, you look, you think, of, you look at the Eagles, you know, up and down the roster. Um, that Super Bowl seems almost a lifetime ago. You know, right. some of these guys, uh, you know, whether it's Lane Johnson, whether it's Jason Kelsey, we know Jason Peters is, you know, just old at this point. Right. You know, a lot of these guys are of advanced age, you know, and you can also go on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. I mean, those are two of your cornerstones on defense, but how much longer are you going to be able to, you know, fully rely on them? I mean, so they got to – they have to do a bit better, you know, as far as drafting and just kind of restocking, you know, young talent. I mean, it goes mm-hmm. – and it goes up and, up and down the roster. I mean, you continue with the wide receivers. I know you got Jalen Rager, but outside of, you know, we don't know how good he's going to be. I mean, we've been talking about, you know, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, just weekly no-shows. You know, you can't find them.
0: Collecting um, their stimulus checks.
1: There's a – there's <laughs> There's a, there's a lot of work for him to do. Um, it's, it, 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 it seemingly doesn't appear to be the best of jobs. Uh, th- job number one, fix Carson Wentz. And oh, by the way, J- Jalen Hurts is still there. So Carson Wentz is still going to have him looking over his shoulder. He's had that his whole career, whether it's Nick Foles, now it's Jalen Hurts. Um, it's going right. to be a team. It's going to be a joint effort between Sirianni and Carson Wentz. Um, that is going to be what he's judged off of.
0: And I, and I can't disagree with nothing you said. I, I feel 100% that same way about this hire. Um, I would say this, when, when I do my scale from 1 to 10, I think this hire has the potential to get as high as an 8. But right now, I'm looking at it as a 5. Why? Because it's kind of like college football. Some of these kids in college football, they commit to a team for a coach. And then that coach leaves and then they're kind of locked into an agreement or they go into the transfer portal. And people always say, you don't commit to a team for a coach. You commit to the team for you or you commit to the team for the team, but never do it for the coach. I feel like old Nick here might be getting short end of the deal because he's like, it's almost as if he's committed to this team for the quarterback and a specific quarterback. And that quarterback is Carson Wentz. But what happens when Carson Wentz, if he comes in and say, I still don't want to be here. What happens if he pulls a James Harden? And I, I, I don't think we're good enough to win. I don't want to be here. And he still demands a trade. Now you just hired this guy for what? I hope he can coach coach up uh, Jalen Hurts. I hope he's ready. I hope he come in here knowing that he might have to coach both of them, because this is not a guarantee that this is going to make Carson Wentz happy. Now, do I think that and talk to Carson Wentz about this hire? Yes. I do think some talks did happen. And Carson Wentz might have said, eh, let, let's see what it do. But if that doesn't work, you just brought this guy in here for nothing. Because I don't know if he's a Jalen Hurts type of coach. Could be. I could be totally wrong. But I, it's nothing, like you say, it's nothing in his resume that leads me to believe that. And so with that said, I, you know, I hope it work out. But like I said, I'm at a five with this. one Until I see something, I I'm, I'm not the world's biggest fan of it so yeah man I I hope it works but I I would like to hear first and foremost if I was an Eagles fan I would like to hear Carson Wentz come out have a press conference or do something on his social media whatever the case might be and endorse this hire that would make me feel better until I hear an endorsement of this hire I just think it's you know it's, it's uh, you know it's just um for lack of word, it's just like a sideshow or something. I don't know. I'm not a real big big believer in it. So we'll see. But it got a five on my confidence scale right now. All
1: right, yeah, last one we'll get to is the Detroit Lions. Uh, They've went with Dan Campbell. Um, A lot of experience coaching uh, NFL tight ends, we believe. You know, he worked as an interim coach for the Dolphins back in 2015. Um, Other than that, not a whole lot from my perspective on the uh, resume. Um, what 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 are your thoughts on uh, the choice the Lions made?
0: Ain't just the same bull crap that the Cleveland Browns did with Freddie Kitchens.
1: That's I, I gotta admit, that's um I did I did think of Freddie Kitchens just for a brief moment uh, when I when I thought of this. <laughs> at least though I gotta I gotta say, at least Campbell has been an interim before. He's he's got some interim coaching, interim head coaching experience for whatever it's worth. We know Freddie Kitchens was never an interim guy before that.
0: So let's think about this. Hey, Dan Campbell, you're so good, we're gonna make you the interim coach. And then when that when that goes away, we're gonna turn you back into a tight end coach. Thanks, Dan. Like I don't get (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I don't get it. This now, this one is by far the worst hottie of the three. This joint going to get a fall on my scale. I'm going to tell you that right now. I, I don't understand it. I'm a big believer in it's a process, right? And in that process, right, you be a position coach, and then you learn that position, and then you learn multiple positions on that side of the ball. Then you might move up to be, let's say, a associated head coach or a co- I'm um, not head coach, associated coach. Um, coordinator for whichever side of the ball you're on you know what I'm saying and then you learn how to kind of do that for a little while then hopefully your skills didn't show it enough where you you bump up to be a coordinator the, the no crap coordinator whether it's offense coordinator defense coordinator um and then you know two three years you end up being the head coach if you still you know um at the top of your game at that time this whole position coach to a head coach thing, this ain't it, this is not it. Like, how many of these failed head coaches do we gotta see before we realize we might wanna make them work a little harder? I'm sorry, but if your best card, and I'm not talking about you personally, but I'm saying if your best card for Dan Campbell is he was the interim head coach, but then after he was the interim head coach, he didn't become a coordinator or he didn't become a head coach, that's not good enough. This is, he was an interim head coach for the Dolphins in 2015. It is 2021 and now he's a head coach. Get, am I missing something in those five to six years in between why he wasn't a coordinator or a head coach during that time? Like that just don't make a lot of sense to me. I don't, I don't know, it don't. So this this how I'm gonna get that whopping excellent four out of 10 for your boy. Um, and it, it could get higher, but then this is Detroit Lions we're talking about. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not worried about it getting much higher either. So good luck man, Campbell. <laughs> you, hey, you, you might want to, um, if you don't got, uh, Robert Sala's phone number, you might want to get it. Cause I think both of y'all might be on the unemployment line at the same time. Cause I'm not seeing this working out all that well for the Detroit Lions. Um, so prove me wrong, but this, I I don't understand this high. I think this is the worst of the three. Yeah. I don't know. Make, make, make this make sense for me, Jay.
1: Uh, I, you know, I got some, you know, few, few perhaps nuggets. I just found, uh, Campbell played three years for the lions back in 2006, 2008, for whatever that's worth. I don't think they were good then either. Um, but, his coaching career he did coach uh, tight ends for the dolphins for five years before, uh, you know, he's an interim coach, you know, for a little bit there. Um, he moved, moved on to the New Orleans saints where it says here, he was the assistant to the head coach in addition to being the tight ends coach, but whatever that's worth, I don't think that matters a whole lot because you know, when you watch, I, I, you've probably seen a fair amount of saints games, you know, in recent history, I know I have, mm-hmm. um, I've never, when I watch a saint game, there's two guys on the sideline. They show, they show Sean Payton. Cause he's a head man right. and he's all he calls the plays and they show Dennis Allen. Those are your two guys. Right. Nobody, nobody's putting Dan Campbell on camera because you're, he's the assistant to the head coach. You know, you don't hear that. I mean, some of the, the head coaching, um, the hot, the hot guys, you know, whether it's Robert Sala, whether it's Eric B uh, Matt, Eberflus, Eberfluss, um, you know those guys, Brian Dable, Like you know, you know the list of guys who are like hot candidates, right? Um, no, no one. The ones no one, we one, should be talking about, exactly. <laughs> no one, no. You haven't heard anybody from this whole ten. I didn't even know Dan Campbell worked for the Saints. I, I just, I just saw. I didn't even know where he was employed. The only thing I remember him having a little stint where he uh, was the interim guy for the Dolphins. I, I, I was. I did not know he was with the Saints. So, um, you know, the Detroit Lions. In the end, I mean, are we surprised I'm not surprised that the the Lions, you know, made Sammy the lackluster hire of the yeah. not only out of these 3, but out of these 6. Dan Campbell, right. Dan Campbell he's, he's probably a little bit more exciting than Arthur Smith, but I have no confidence I have no more confidence in Dan Campbell than oh. Arthur
0: Smith. I don't oh, but, oh, I'm I'm sorry to cut you off. I forgot a big part of what I was going to say and you just reminded me. <laughs> Did, did you did you see that welcome to Detroit interview that he had? I I, I didn't watch it. Apparently, it was good though. Oh well, I, I guess it depends on your definition of good. Oh. But, <laughs> but my guy is out here talking about e knee caps, and you're gonna have to kill us <laughs> on the field, and just I, it was it was an aggressive opening. Um, <laughs> interview. Ult- Let me just tell you the that. Ult- but, ultimate rah rah fella. We, oh my God. I couldn't believe him.
1: Like, that's, uh, yeah. That's, uh, I think, I think during his interim time, like that was, I think they had, you know, the first game he was interim, like they came out, you know, guns blazing and they just you know it do- dominate the line of scrimmage, old school, run the ball down your throat. And, and of course, after that, it seemingly fizzled. I, I, I don't know, like, is that something is going to really connect? for, for this, you know, this new generation of players, you know, right. I know that's, that's, that's seemingly the the old school mind of thought. And that's, that's still all well and good, but you have to, I think in today's game, you're going to have to, that may not necessarily cut it all the time. This is not, I mean, th- these guys practice le- uh, less the games the games, not as physical that, you know, certain, certain hits that used to be allowed like you, blindside blocks, you know, you can't hit a guy in the head. You can't. You can't hit a quarterback. Period. I mean, so I think, I think a guy with that type of message and mantra. I mean, it might. I don't. I don't know if that's going to do it necessarily. Although some of the things he's saying are definitely all well and good, and you want to have a physical tone. Um, but outside of that, I think. I think the hire is about culture. I think it's about a guy who can motivate and be, you know, a, a Mike Tomlin or you know a guy mm-hmm. like that. But in the end, it's the Lions. So I don't, I don't have, I don't have any confidence in, in this at all. He's going to have to uh, have, you know, two great coordinators to kind of buffer him up. Um, so, he, he's gonna, so he's going to, so he's going to have to figure that out. Um, and, and seemingly, um, I don't think, you know, if he, if he, the only thing that separates him from Matt Patricia right now is he don't got a, he ain't bringing a pencil with him, and he ain't got that. <laughs> So I don't I don't see it. I don't see things changing all that much. I'm not excited about it at all. And I I don't yeah, you're right. I think you know him and Robert Solo be on the chopping block at around the same time.
0: I would and I would say this. Don't one to your point of the difference between him and Matt Patricia, like at least we knew who Matt Patricia was before he got this job because of the, those championship runs with New England. But like you said, it, it might not be much of a difference. This dude might be a better person or a better motivated. You, you know the news we heard about Matt Patricia. I yeah, hopefully hopefully, <laughs> players don't hate him quite as much as they <laughs> hated
1: Matt Patricia.
0: Right. So that's a good point, though. That's a very good point. All right. Well, we
1: now move over to the NBA and the uh, Brooklyn Nuts. Have you heard about them? They uh, acquired James Harden. Um, not too long ago and they got, you know, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, a lot, lot, of star power up there in, uh, Brooklyn. Um, uh, but they're seemingly of, uh, they're in a rough stretch right now. After in James Harden's debut, they beat the magic. Then they beat the bucks on the last second, uh, you know, last uh, minute shot by Kevin Durant. Uh, but back-to-back losses to the Cleveland Cavaliers has us wondering, uh, what's going on with the Brooklyn nets. Um, so how do you see it, drink? What, what's the problem with the Brooklyn nets right now? And how can they get things back on track?
0: Well, you know, um, you know, so when I think about the Brooklyn Nets, so I like to do those little things sometimes. You know when you was a kid and you go into a restaurant and they had these little packets, right? For the kids to you know, try to keep their attention. And sometimes yes. in those packets, they have like these little diagrams where you connect the dots or you connect <laughs> one to two, two to mm-hmm. three, four, you know, et cetera, et cetera, to make some type of constellation or some type of picture. So then I started like, doing it with the, the Nets. So I'm like, okay, Nets got three all-timers on offense. They gave away their best defensive player, I think, in, in Jared Allen. And then I'm like, why would they do that? What in the world would they Who's the head coach? Oh, Steve Nash. Had his best years with the Phoenix Sun. And what did they not do? Oh, they didn't play defense. And I'm like, who who the hell is advising Steve Nash? Oh, Mike D'Antoni. Mm-hmm. And what? What is he known for? Oh, well, you know, he don't play. He don't like to coach defense either. I'm like, oh, this is getting, oh, this is getting a little spooky around here. Oh, we we just blatantly not gonna play defense. Now the problem with that is, okay, cool. If you don't want to play defense, now your mantra has to be, we need to outscore the other team. That's always how Mike D'Antoni looked at it. I'm fairly confident that's how Steve Nash is looking at it. And then when you're KD, Kyrie, and James Harden, you probably look at it that way too. Like, listen, defense is not my strongest point, but boy, I can fill the bucket up. All right. So if that was the strategy, cool. No big deal, guys. Let's just go out here. We'll throw up 130 and we'll call it a day. Well, then... I said, okay, cool, that might happen. So then I see the first game against the Cavaliers. Now, we do know, as you reminded me, hey, James Harden came out the box swinging in his first game with the Nets. Since then, and we have to remember, those games in the earlier, I think uh, Kyrie missed the first three games that James Harden was playing there. So those games was without Kyrie Irving. So we know when Kyrie Irving come back in the mix, we got to figure that out, too. My problem with the Nets is this right now. It ain't about figuring out anything. It seems as if it can work schematic-wise. KD, like like you have said on multiple occasions, KD can play all over the court whenever, however. KD is, is a, a fit no matter how you do it. So the, the, the friction we thought was going to be between James Harden and Kyrie. But last night, without KD, it seemed to work fairly well. Whoever bring the ball up, the other one play off the ball, we'll figure out, you know, what you do if you want to go one-on-one or we want to run these sets or whatever the case might be, which is fine as well because when you have a three-headed monster, some someone will be without the ball. That's just how, I, that's the nature of the beast. Boom. If, if I remember correctly, Kyrie made a, a pun against his old ex-teammate LeBron James. He said, I quote, it feels good to finally be on the team with a guy that can make that damn shot too. And he was referencing to one KD Kevin Durant. And I'm not against that because we have seen KD make shots. We have seen Kyrie make shots. But we also seen LeBron, it might not be as pretty as KD or Kyrie or, uh, or James Harden, but it's still effective. If he drives to the goal and dunk on you and get an and one and make the free throw, it's just as aspect. I don't care what you say. Um, So you would think, hey, if the game come down and it's on the line, they got three cold-blooded mother that can make this shot, this should not be a problem. But it is a problem. And I think that's the biggest thing for the Nets right now is I just watched the other night. I watched KD. Uh, he make a three to beat Milwaukee. So I'm like, okay, cool. You got this is what you, this is what you asked for. This is what you want, a guy that can do this. But then after that, I watched him miss a game winner against Cleveland. I watched Kyrie miss a game winner. I watched James Harden miss a game winner. And the thing that they have in common with all three of those missed game winners is they lost all three games. Where they, where they lost the two games to Cleveland. This is, listen, I don't know what need to happen. I don't know. It's almost like this. This is the best way I can compare it for my football fans. You remember um, two years ago, or was it last year, when Alfredo Kitchens was with the coach? You remember how we was talking about, you know, Cleveland trade away their best offensive lineman for Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. Why did they do that? Like, they don't need Odell Beckham. Yeah, we know what Odell Beckham brings to the team, but why did Cleveland trade for him? you got a good enough wide receiver call. And we was all scratching our head like, mm, I don't know. This is what the Nets, the Nets did the NBA equivalent to that. They traded away their best defensive player to get another gifted offensive player, even though they got enough offense. So we scratching our head like, mm. now, now that we see how the defense is playing, I don't know, Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. So, as I look at that, th- what the Nets really going to have to do, they're going to have to find a way to go and get some defensive help Because you don't got to know. I'm sorry. You don't got to know. This ain't being this, the Celtics. This ain't not, not a motivated Celtic team. I ain't talking about the team we seen last night that got the young smoke. But, this, this, it's look, the way Philadelphia playing laying right now, this ain't beating the 76ers. This not beating the Celtics. You beat Milwaukee on a, a last minute shot, but in two months, this ain't beating Milwaukee. Like, I don't know, man. It's looking a little shaky. They need to go get some defense. So if the Nets still got championship aspirations, as I think they do, because I, I, I keep hearing a lot of championship a busts, I hope that's not how y'all thinking, because it might be a bust if y'all keep playing like this. Um then we got to figure it out. They need to make some trades. They need to make some signings. They need to do something defensively. This is not looking good. And if you keep depending on guys to just go one-on-one and make game-winning shots, that's not a recipe for success in the long term. So uh, my thoughts on the Nets right now, this team need to go buy some damn defense because this is not it. This is not it. This is not a championship-level team right now, I don't think. You have championship level players, but this is not a championship level team. That organization needs to go to the drawing board and go find them some defense because this is not going to cut it against the elites in the, in, the, in the NBA.
1: Yeah, this was um kind of the question I had, you know, off you know the, this is the entire time, even before the season. Like, I think we I think we know the Nets are you know going to have they're not going to have a lot of trouble scoring points. I mean, they're simply too gifted. Um, and you add James Harden to that. I mean, you only increase that. You only increase the, you know, <laughs> the the just offensive, you know, avalanche that you can, you know, bestow upon people. Not not all that dissimilar. Probably probably like even even greater than some of these Phoenix teams Mike D'Antoni you know coached once upon a time. Um, but as you as you say, and I think the comparison is is worth um is worth exploring. You know, those teams you know weren't all that much about defense, and these teams uh, and this team right here apparently isn't you know is about the same way. I mean you just you just look at their roster and you you just look up and down, and you say, like who who on this roster? It do they have a guy who's uh calling card as defense? I mean DeAndre Jordan, I guess maybe you you'd start would you start there? Um, at one
0: at one point in time in his career, I don't think that's the case now.
1: Yeah, but I'm yeah, I am with you. I'm not the I'm not the biggest DeAndre Jordan uh, you know, fan anymore. I don't you know, he's gotta be in his low 30s or whatever he's I mean he's a he's a limited offensive player and you know he protect the rim rebound but um I, I would have liked to see uh, Jared Allen still be on this roster um yeah. but I mean you, you you made the trade for James Harden you went big and I mean it's just this this is it's going to be incumbent upon this coaching staff to figure this out and it, I don't think it's not Mike D'Antoni's uh DNA to coach defense Steve Nash I mean he he didn't win MVPs because he played defense I mean right. so you know James Harden and Kyrie Irving uh Ky- Kyrie's not known for defense James Harden James Harden's improved he's gotten better but he's still right. I mean he's known for his offense KD can go both ways I think he's a but um you know he but he's still primarily you know KD because of what he does scoring the ball so it's just I mean and you can go you can continue to go down the list Joe Harris he's a three point shooter I mean uh, Landry Shamit three-point shooter I mean so their team is so offensively oriented that I mean there's going to be there's going to have to be some guys you know whoever it is that are just going to have to you know it's going to have to be some role reversals a guy's going to have to make some sacrifices there's going to have to be some guys that take it upon themselves to get better on defense or you know take a take a few less shots um to to go at you know you know locking down on the other end because every everybody can't score all the time. Scoring is not going to be the problem. But when you allow a team to shoot, you know, uh, you know, in low 50% from the floor, I mean, you're already behind the power curve. That's what that's what Cleveland did in these two games. And they 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 shot a high percentage and I believe I saw a stat, you know, not to uh, you know, a little bit earlier this morning, that 40% of the uh uh Cleveland Cavaliers shot attempts in these two games were uncontested. That really and that really isn't even you know, talk about, um, you know, X's and O's, that's, that's probably, that's an effort issue probably. So, right. I mean, this, this is, we're going to find out about not only about these players, but this is where we start looking at a guy like Steve Nash, a guy who, you know, from what I've heard, you know, when, when Steve Nash got hired, I, I believe Kyrie and KD were like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is good. We like this. Um, so, well now that's what we're, we're going to have to look at him and say, Okay now you want to start coaching you're nine they're nine and eight right now at about the you know the quarter mark of the uh, of the season um and nine and eight you know that's that's not going to get it done you're going to be you know a 7 8 seed or you know it and the and this team as you say this is a when you have James Harden Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant not, nothing less than a championship i think will be acceptable in the end um but at the same time, on the other side of this, to play a little bit of devil's advocate, when, you, when, when, you, bring, when you bring this amount of star power together, it, do, it does take time. This is only James Harden's fourth game, uh, and KD in the second of these two games didn't even play, so they have that. Maybe Cleveland is a little bit better than we give them credit for. They're right now, yeah. I believe they're in the five slots. So, I mean, they got Andre Drummond, Colin Sexton's playing great, Jared Allen, who they – they, uh, uh, Brooklyn trades to Cleveland. He had two good games. We know he can play.
0: Darius Garland.
1: Darius Garland. So I mean, Cleveland could be a team that's a little bit on the rise. Um, and you're, I mean, we've seen similar things this before. If you you go all the way back to the uh, the first season LeBron had in Miami with D Wade and Chris Bosh, I mean, they were right. they were eight and seven or something like that early on in their first year. It takes time, but when you bring this amount of star power together and you don't see instant results it's a, it's a natural thing to, for people to get impatient and it yeah. would definitely be in this, their best interest to get things turned around quickly because the, the east is it's not the same old east we know we know about Milwaukee we know about Boston philly's off to a really nice start seems like doc rivers is doing good things up there i think joe allen beat is off to a really good start this season um, so it's a, it's a competitive Eastern Conference. It's not a foregone conclusion, even though it may look like they're the most talented team. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take more than talent, and it's going to take some amount of defense and resistance for Brooklyn to go where we think they should go.
0: All right, and before we wrap it up, I would say this. For anybody that's listening to this segment, listen, I'm not hating on the Nets. I, I, actually, the reason I I, you know we want to talk about the Nets right now is because we're hoping that the Nets turn this around. In, in my perfect world, right, for the NBA finals, I would like to see the Lakers and the Nets. Why? Because I think that's probably the biggest storyline we can get. Yeah, I understand Philadelphia and, you know, they've been around for a little bit and I understand maybe it's their time and I got the, the lineage, the, the history and lineage between the Celtics and the Lakers Or uh, Let's say maybe if the Lakers don't get it, you know what I'm saying? If it's the Clippers, who would want to see the Clippers versus the Nets? It's just it's the matchup that we're hoping we get at the end to have five, you know, all star. You know what I'm saying? Like, that game, that would be a crazy series. But the fact of the matter is this, they just got to play better defense if we hope to see that. So I just don't want everybody to think, hey, this dude just out here hating on the Nets." No, I actually want you to play better so we can get the overall end result. So,
1: All right, time to finish off with Rapid Reaction. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Take us away, Drink.
0: Let's roll, baby. Baseball Hall of Famer Hank Aaron has passed away at the age of 86. Your thoughts on this on his legacy, Jay?
1: Uh, Not enough time in a day to talk about the greatness of Hank Aaron, but uh, quite, quite simply one of the best to ever do it. Uh, Some still regard him as the uh, true and rightful home run king with 755 home runs, Uh, but overall fantastic career and, you know, loved and cherished by everyone that uh, everyone that knew him. Notre Dame football is being placed on a one-year probation for recruiting violations. Big deal, little deal, no deal. All
0: right. So funny thing, right? Notre Dame is one of three teams that got put on violation for the same recruit. Um, it was like Notre Dame, Florida, and I uh, the third team. The third team, a loop. The reason this is funny is because the recruit in question, Savion Small, the linebacker he actually committed to Washington. So three teams, maybe, I don't think it's Tennessee, but three teams get in trouble for this guy, and he don't go to any one of these three teams, which is wild. And, and then it turns out the kid didn't have that awesome of a first year. So you might be in trouble for just like just not doing your due diligence. Um, to answer the question, I'm going to say uh, this is a little deal just because you know these three programs got in trouble for this guy, and he didn't go to any one of the three programs it would be a bigger deal if he had actually went to one of the programs because then you would probably have a Tennessee-type issue. But, yeah, I'm going to go a little deal on that one. The NBA has rescinded a technical foul from Golden State Warriors forward Draymond Green after a referee ejected him from Thursday night game for yelling at him. But in return, Green was yelling, actually yelling at rookie center James Wiseman. What's your reaction to this?
1: It's I think it's unfortunate. I mean, it's one of those things where you'd like the you know, the referees to get together and communicate and, you know, you'd like to see the rejection ascended if it truly wasn't deserved. But on the flip side, it's one of the the side effects of being a guy with a reputation who just always yelling at people. So, I mean, in some respects, you feel bad for Draymond Green, but that's what comes with your reputation. Former Lions head coach Matt Patricia is returning to New England to work for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. What do you make of this development?
0: The same thing I make for the development of college coaches that go back to Nick Saban after um, a, a failed attempt. Here's the deal. Everybody want to be the man until they are the man, and then you realize, hey, being the man is tough. And, you know, what I think, what I do like about this situation with Matt Patricia or what, what they do in college with Alabama is, you take your licks, you go back, you sit down with the goats, and you say, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? At? And you can you can fix that and then get another shot. We seen that with Josh McDowell, Josh McDaniels. He goes, he fails, he come back, kind of, you know, re-erect his career and then he get off for a job and we know what happens after that. But you know what I'm saying? I don't, I, it's nothing wrong. Like that's what naturally people do. You usually do that with your parents, right? You go out, you learn something, you fail, you come back, you ask your parents, what did I do wrong? They sit down and say, A, B, and C and then you go readjust and try it again. So I'm not mad at it. I actually, you know, I applaud him for having enough, uh, for putting his ego to the side and going back and talking to Bill and going back on that stuff and trying to fix the things he did wrong. So I applaud him on mm-hmm. that. Chicago's Cub, third baseman, Chris Bryan said, he's not having as much fun as he used to in an interview with Barstool Sports Podcast. What, I mean, you have any advice for him, Jay?
1: Retire. <laughs> if it's not, if it's not fun, if it's not fun anymore. And I mean that's, I mean, I, I think in all, in all seriousness, like the, that's the root of like all sports and all athletic competition is to have fun. Um, right. so I mean, retire, but I mean, he's not going to retire because I guarantee he likes that, that sweet paycheck he's getting. And I I'd like that sweet paycheck he's getting too. If I, <laughs> if I be honest, the Texans have interviewed Josh McCown and Jim Caldwell for their head coaching vacancy. Uh, who would you hire between those two
0: candidates? Jim Caldwell, I like. Hey, oh, hey, Josh McCall, you want to be our backup quarterback? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, know. Yeah, I'm going with Jim Caldwell. Why proven commodity? He didn't done, done it. Some people say he got fired unfairly in his last job. They, they, you know, got uh, well not unfairly. I say prematurely. Um, in his last job with Detroit. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with the proven commodity. I'm gonna go with Jim Caldwell. Josh McCann, good quarterback. Maybe you can go in the booth and pull the Tony Romo. I probably like you better there than a head coach. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. After an eight-year career with the 49ers and the Steelers, tight end Vance McDonald has retired. What are your thoughts on his career?
1: uh somewhat you feel it was somewhat of a disappointment i felt like when he once he got to pittsburgh you really saw some flashes where he could you know really maybe be a you know above average tight end but it seemed like injuries kind of slowed him down throughout but i always remember him for that uh that monday night stiff arm he applied to to, to chris conti you know that was what what an an (laughs) iconic play you know and matter of fact if you pull up the espn uh, article that's the that you know that reads off as the retirement that's that's the video that they have playing which, you know, why wouldn't you <laughs> still Bill right. can't believe it. I don't don't think we've heard from Chris Conti since then. Uh right. WBC announced they will be adding Floyd Mayweather Jr.'s picture to all the green and gold uh WBC belts. Uh, any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, man, uh, wonderful um I think that's a wonderful gesture about it, uh WBC um to to it, it shows you the greatness of Floyd Mayweather Jr. as a boxer now people, let's please separate the boxer from the person. Like, uh, you know, people like, they like, to be like oh, he's such of a horrible person. Okay, but I'm talking about the boxer. Mike Tyson was a horrible person, but he was a terrifying boxer. He was a fighter. And and I think for Floyd Mayweather Jr., this is an honor. Um, and it's, it's a testament to his career as a boxer to have your picture on all the belts for the WBC. For those that don't know, w, WBC is one of the four major Boxing councils. Um, so, you know, to have your pitch on those belts next to Muhammad Ali and some of the other greats is, is a hell of an honor. And I, I think it's well deserved when you go back and look at his boxing career as one of the greats. The Boston Red Sox have signed former Los Angeles Dodger Kike Hernandez to a two year, $14 million deal. What do you think of this signing?
1: Oh, that's pretty good. I think the probably the best thing um, you get out of it is you get defensive versatility. He's a guy that can play a, a lot of different uh, positions. So he'll give uh, he'll give Alex scores some uh, flexibility and how he uh, manages his roster and his lineups. Uh, but of course, he's um, he's not bookie bets. I'm sure the, the Red Sox would much prefer to have him back and have him back on the team. But oh, well, they don't. Tonight, it's UFC 257 Poirier and McGregor the second fight of that on ESPN plus pay-per-view at the ETHAD arena in Abu Dhabi. The main event is a UFC lightweight bout between the second ranked contender Dustin Poirier and the fourth ranked contender, Conor McGregor. Who you got?
0: The King is back. Um, Listen, I'm, I'm Conor, Conor McGregor is who I got, uh, but I would say this, this is a very tough fight that Conor McGregor agreed to after being gone for pretty much a year, a year, uh, year layoff. Dustin Poirier is a hell of a fighter. That's why he's number two and Conor McGregor's number four. And you think about this, Conor McGregor has been the lightweight champion. He's been the champion of this division. Dustin Poirier has been the interim champion of this division. Um, so this is, you know, a hell of a fight. Like you mentioned, this is the second fight. The first fight ended re- relatively fast. Conor McGregor knocks out um, a technical knockout, um, punched him. The, you know, it's a very questionable punch, as some people like to uh Put out because it, it seems as if Conor had punched Dustin Poirier in the back of the head. Problem was it wasn't intentionally. It's was just one of those things when you get to punching at a rapid rate, sometimes you do clip an area you shouldn't. However, Dustin Poirier do, do not use that as an excuse. He just said Conor McGregor was the better man that night. So this fight is highly anticipated. Why? One, you're gonna have you know roughly I heard something about seven, maybe seven thousand fans. I don't know how true that is, but that's what I heard. So maybe 7,000 fans in the arena. And I do believe, you know, against the contrary of what you've been hearing in the in the MMA community, the winner of this fight will fight Khabib next, I think. Um, just because these two dudes seem to be the most polarizing and the toughest competition you can get for the title. No disrespect to the other contenders in the division, but Khabib then pretty much wiped up all the competition, to be perfectly honest. And since he gets to pick who he fight next, this fight would go a long way to his next contender for the lightweight championship. So Conor McGregor, I think he get him out of there in in somewhere in the first four rounds. I don't think it goes as fast as the first fight, just because Dustin Poirier is a different fighter, a tougher fighter, and he'd have been through a lot since the first fight. So yeah, I'm going Conor McGregor knockout somewhere in the first four rounds. All
1: right. That concludes today's Drink of Wisdom. Like, share, subscribe. We'd appreciate it all. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Jay Wise.
0: And I'm Nathan Drinking. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby.